This is a gorgeous morning in Riverside, and I welcome you to our very beautiful campus. We have people here, students and their mentors, from all over the country. I understand there are people here from as far away as Pennsylvania and Florida. I want to add my thanks uh, to those of John's earlier today to the soccer board and also to the National Science Foundation for their financial support of this conference and their interest, their patronage of undergraduate research experiences for students. And I'd also like to acknowledge that we have a number of UCR leaders here today, our, our provost, our vice chancellors, our vice provost, and I want to thank them for coming. We're all drawn here today by a shared passion, and that's for research and its integration with education. I know from a lot of the leaders of this country and all sorts of areas that it was a research experience as an undergraduate student that changed their lives forever. For example, the president, the recently outgoing president of the National Academy of Sciences, Bruce Alberts, who was a huge advocate for science education in K-12, told me that if it wasn't for research experience he had in college, that he would not have become a scientist and then gone on to become president of the National Academy. And the uh, person who is now head of Sloan Kettering uh, Foundation in New York City and previously the head of the whole National Institutes of Health and a Nobel Prize winner, Harold Varmus, had exactly the same thing to say about his undergraduate experience. He, like me, was an English major. He even wrote a tome on Charles Dickens, Great Expectations, and then, because of his research experience, turned to science, discovered with his collaborator, Mike Bishop, who's the chancellor at UC San Francisco, the oncogene, the cancer-causing gene, for which they won the Nobel Prize. So, uh, this is the trajectory that all of you are on, of doing great, uh, having great experiences, and having these influence your future directions, which could be in any discipline from the humanities, the performance arts, to science and engineering. Well, this conference is called The Promise of the Future, and it is indeed about your own futures and that of the world around you. If graduate school is part of your future, and I really hope it is, I uh, hope that you will consider UC Riverside. Our moniker is a global research university with a heart, something that I hope that you find true in your experience here today. That is a blatant pitch for UCR, but perhaps the best advertisement for our campus is embodied in our keynote speaker, Dr. Tina Nova. I call her our supernova. Dr. Nova received her PhD in biochemistry here at UCR. Later, she was part of a research team that developed a prostate-specific antigen test. 
She's been a pioneer among women in biotechnology, founding no fewer than four successful biotech startup companies. Her current company, Genoptics, is developing a personalized approach to testing the therapeutic value of various drugs for use with cancer patients. Recognized as an entrepreneur and a scientist, Dr. Nova is also active in policy issues. This year, she was appointed to the Independent Citizens Oversight Committee that will oversee $3 billion in funding for stem cell research in California. But Dr. Nova is also someone who gives back. She credits much of her success to a UCR professor who served as her mentor. As someone who waited to go to graduate school, Dr. Nova decided to help others do what she did by establishing a scholarship in her mentor's name, aimed at returning students. For that, and for her wonderful example of combining business smarts with a passion for science and a commitment to helping others, we thank Dr. Tina Nova. And now you know why I call her our supernova. So please, Tina. The podium is yours. Thank you. It's a real honor to be here today. I want to start by thanking the Chancellor for the invitation, Dr. Lewis, Dean Engel, for inviting me and the whole organizing committee um, to speak here today. I'm very proud to be a graduate of UCR and to return here today as an alum is a great thrill. And I really enjoyed my time here as a graduate student. UCR is a place where you can come and truly be mentored, interact with your professors, learn a tremendous amount, and it really prepares you to go out in the world. I was very scared when I went to do my postdoc after being here, going to a lab with people from Yale and Harvard and Princeton back east at NYU and when I got there I found out I was the, one of the only few that actually had a mentor that I saw every day. That says a lot about UC Riverside. If you look back at the path that I took to get where I am today, you would not have guessed that I would become a CEO, a scientist, or have started four companies. I know my parents at 16 years old were hoping I would just stay out of jail. I want to share with you the significance of what it means for you to be here today and what it could mean to your future. My undergraduate research project was the beginning and that paved the way for the rest of my life. I used to think that you had to come from a very sophisticated background to become something big. Your parents had to be educated. You had to come from a fabulous high school that taught you calculus your sophomore year to truly end up being successful and how wrong I was. I was raised in a small town in Central California called Delano. It's a farming community about 30 miles north of Bakersfield. I thought Bakersfield was the biggest town in the United States. It's a great place to be from, but my favorite time in Delano was looking at it from my rearview mirror as I headed out to UC Irvine in my yellow Camaro filled with my jeans and stereo speakers that took up the entire back seat. Growing up in a farm was an incredible experience. I learned how to drive when I was 12 years old. I raked hay on a tractor on Saturdays until I graduated from high school. And my dad used to say, if you don't go to college, this is what you're going to end up doing the rest of your life. Boy, was that a motivator. 
My high school counselor discouraged me from going to college and complained that I had not yet taken home economics as an elective in high school. So how was I ever going to make it? I let him know in a nice way that I didn't think that learning how to make cinnamon rolls was the key to success. At UC Irvine, I declared a pre-med major. I didn't know what else to choose, and everyone said, go become a doctor. I was good at math, and my father once again said he wouldn't pay for college if I didn't have a serious major. So in his opinion, the fine arts were out. But it was a good thing. I don't have any talent anyway. I liked the sciences more and more and I went as I went through them. And in the beginning, I was behind the other students because of my high school background. And once that was over, I did fine. So I was on track to become an MD doctor. But to be honest with you, I really wasn't sure why at that time. I really didn't like hospitals. I wasn't crazy about being around sick people. And I didn't like the decision process when it came to patients not a great sign for someone who was headed to medical school. That school year, I took a job in a lab washing dishes for extra money. And as I was doing the dishes, there was a graduate student scientist sitting next to me. And I watched him day after day, watched what he was doing, and I thought it was very exciting. The washroom was right next to him, and I would sit there. He would sit there all day and pipette. And I thought, boy, does that look exciting compared to doing dishes. I told him I really wanted to learn that, and he said, well, I hate doing this, and if you really want to do this, you just have to be really precise, I'll teach you how to pipette. And so he did. And I loved being precise, that was something I loved, and very quickly I was hooked, and that was a turning point for me, and they hired someone else to do the dishes. (laughs) From there, I did an undergraduate lab project that I presented, and that allowed me to graduate with honors in research. But here I was, a pre-med. So I took a non-paying job at a free clinic in Laguna Beach, and that's where I got a taste of what medicine was like. But it should have been obvious to me very quickly as I punched out at the clinic each day and went right back to the lab and started working on my project. At the end of the summer, I decided not to apply to medical school, and I took a lab job, and I graduated. I didn't apply to graduate school right away. At that time, I didn't think I had the intellect to go through it. For after, after all, there was no way I could get a PhD. I thought PhDs were all incredibly brilliant, and there was no way I could take that on. So I took a job here at UCR as a lab technician. I'm glad I took that time off because it really showed me what I wanted to do with my career. And I decided at the end of those two years, I really wanted to be a scientist and applied to graduate school here two years later. Never underestimate the power of experience and never underestimate the value of a great mentor. I worked for Dr. Jolinda Tra, a professor here, and she taught me what it's like to be a scientist. She taught me how to fight all the obstacles. She was one of the first women scientists hired at UC Riverside. And what it is that you do. She supported me entering graduate school and supported me all the way through my PhD and is still my mentor today. Some people in my life, like my high school counselor, I'm very happy I didn't listen to. While others made it possible for me to follow my dreams, like Dr. Tra. So it's very important to build very special relationships along the way that help you get where you want to go. But it's also important not to let anyone or anything get in the way of what you want to do. 
I believe that drive and desire and determination are the most important attributes to becoming successful. Yes, you have to have some intelligence, but you guys have already passed that test by being where you are today. So don't let anything stop you. Success is really a strange thing, and it's hard to define. Most people who are successful don't feel successful. I've asked many successful people that question before, and they say, no, I really don't feel successful yet. Success never comes as a straight path. Part of this is because what you consider success today will change dramatically over time. When I was in high school, success meant going to college. As a freshman at UCI, success to me was just getting through general chemistry and moving on to organic. When I joined my first company, success looked like being promoted from a research scientist to a manager. It never occurred to me that one day I would become a CEO. I thought that was too far out of my reach and that could never happen. When my children were born, my definition of success changed once again. It became very simplistic. Get them to school, get me to work. Today, your goal may be just to graduate from college. Tomorrow, it may be finding that perfect job, that perfect someone, and in a few years, it may be purchasing a home or a really nice car. Be prepared for that change because it will occur. The other secret to success is that you completely control it. This is something that came to me as a complete surprise. I initially thought that my bosses were the one who determined my fate, and that is incorrect. First, I worked for a small entrepreneurial company that was then acquired by a very large pharmaceutical company. And the definition of success at one company was not the same as the other. I needed to decide what definition fit me, and that's when I decided to return to the smaller companies. You get to choose. You get to shape your own destiny. It's actually you who decides where you want to work, how long you want to stay there, what city you live in, what job and position you want to accept. You get to decide how hard you want to work, how you want to balance your life, whether you want to work for that next promotion or not. You're the one who drives the car on your road to success. Your professors do not live and breathe your career. They can't read your mind, and nor can they see what it is that you want to do. It isn't their responsibility. You are in charge. You are responsible for pointing out that you've done a terrific job and deserve that promotion. If you stop at those obstacles that are thrown at you, success most likely will not come your way. Smile, have a good sense of humor, and go around those obstacles <clears throat> Excuse me, and keep moving. Be proud of what you've done today by coming here. It's a gigantic step. And if you love what you're doing and you feel that today, you may have already found your passion. That's what happened to me, and that's terrific. And if you haven't, keep looking, testing, evaluating, doing, because being passionate about what you do every day in your life is the key to happiness. And that is what true success is. Conf Confucius advised others, find a job you love, and you'll never have to work a day in your life. Congratulations for what you've done. It's not small. It's big. I hope this really gives you the inspiration to go on and do what you want to do. I hope that any obstacles that have come in your way, you put aside. I hope you forget that background that made you think, I can't do it. Because I'm here today to tell you, you can do whatever it is you want to do. Congratulations.
thank you for the invitation here. I'm truly honored to be part of today. That's critical, and finding someone who really believes in you and what you want to do, I think, is really key. Um, I have professors that I'm still friends with um, when I was an undergraduate, and I still go back to them and talk to them about my life and my career. And so, just getting a letter of recommendation from them in the beginning is not the end. You will stay in touch with those people the rest of your life, and it's really rewarding to go back. And they love that. I think what I was surprised at is I thought, oh, finding a mentor is going to be so difficult. No one's going to want to take me on and help me do what I want to do. But all you have to do is ask, and you'll be really surprised. People are actually quite flattered to be asked, will you be my mentor, and will you help me do what I want to do? It's not that hard. I think if I had it to do all over, I probably would have taken more business when I was an undergraduate or graduate student. And at that time, I just didn't have a vision of being in business at all. So really what I did is I learned it later in life. And once I realized I was on the business track, I went back and took some courses um, at UCSD and USD and learned a little bit about business. But one thing I can tell you, it's much easier to learn business than it is to learn science the other way around. So um, it's actually... After you've gone through a PhD, you look at a balance sheet and say, oh heck, I can do this. It's not that hard. Um, it's not a put down of the business majors. It's just different. And so I did go back and take some courses. Um, but I think right now that there is a lot of emphasis on taking business courses and taking other types of courses early in your career. When I went to school, it wasn't that way. It was much more, stay much more focused just in the area that you think you're going to do. But I would advise being much broader about it. That's a great question. What I found out about myself is that I am a person that likes the, the start from scratch. And a lot of people don't like that. I like uh, a technology and an idea, and then going and finding the building, um, laying out the space, picking the tile out for the lab, um, getting the lease for the equipment, hiring the first people, talking to the business lawyers about how to set up the company, talking to the lawyers about how to do a rental agreement for the building. And none of these things are things I learned along the way. They're just things, you know, from school. They're, they're things I learned by, by starting these companies and going out and just doing it. And believe me, there was a few times that people said to me, you know, have you done a business, uh, have you done a building lease before? I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, no kidding. I didn't have a clue. So, and when you're trying to do a bunch of different things like that, there's no way you're going to know them all. But if you're the type of person that enjoys learning many different things, you know, you will. And what happened at my companies is I've stayed at most of them for about eight years, seven to eight years. And that's really the time where you get to do all that startup stuff. You make very quick decisions. If you don't make quick decisions, these small companies do not survive. We make decisions in the hallway. We don't have, you know, four committees put together to make a decision. And once it starts looking like that, that's when it's time for me to go. Because I don't fit in that environment. I don't want to be in that environment. So I create the company I no longer fit in. I create the company I no longer want to be at. And I go to the next one. So I've done that four times. And that's really been the reason why I've changed. And that's a very, very good question. Took that talent to the next one. Got a little bit smarter. Took that to the next one. It kind of went from there. 
has. There's, there's no question that there have been times where it has been difficult. I'm really glad I got a PhD, I have to tell you, because having the top education degree that you can have in the field that you're in puts you in a different position. I think it would have been more difficult for me as a female if I didn't have the advanced degree and understand the business side as well. So I'm glad I maxed out on, on education. That really helped. That I have some hilarious stories I could tell you that would just, you kind of need a glass of wine but um, to tell them, which I'd be glad to pour one all for you but I didn't bring it. Um, that I mean, there was a time when I had an investor coming in, and I was standing at the, at the reception desk, and he came in. It was an older gentleman from Cleveland, had been an investor for years and years. And he walked in, and he put his hand on my back, and he kind of slid his hand down my back a little bit, and he said, could you tell Dr. Nova, honey, that I'm here? And I'm standing there going, now what do I do? And I said, how do you like your coffee? He said, black. I said, great. So I went in the lunchroom, got his coffee. I came back. I gave him his coffee. And I kind of just slid my business card across the table to him, at which point he turned completely white. And it wasn't the best meeting I've ever had. And No, he didn't invest either. But um, there were times that that's happened. You know, at, at my age now, I wish someone would put their hand there. But, you know... But that changes over the years, too. <laughs> you turn 52 and you wish somebody would come on to you. But at that age and at that time, that was hard. And, you know, I've always had, I've always laughed about it. Because if I didn't, I wouldn't be where I am. I just said, oh, well. I think it's changed a lot. There's no question. Is it still there? Yeah, sure. But, you know, I think that women that make a big deal out of it, I really think that's a mistake. And, you know, as long as you've been treated, I, I'm not saying except being treated badly or wrongly or illegally. That's not what I'm talking about. But not making a big deal and just joking back and giving it back, you know, and making and you know making nothing out of it, I, I really think is, is some advice. You know, it's unfortunate that I still don't see women in the higher management levels. And I think that it's still sometimes because they have made that decision, not necessarily anyone else. They get to a certain point in their career, they may be a manager or director, they have a husband and a few kids, and they feel very happy with the combination, back to my balance comment, that they choose for themselves. And they look at me and the hours I work and the nuttiness that I run around, which is just me, and sometimes they don't see that that would be what they would want for their, for their lives. And um, where we really are seeing a lack of women, and it's, it's a problem, is at the board of director level. Women not getting asked to go on boards of companies. And that is going to make a huge difference when that starts turning around. And that really hasn't happened yet because there's still a lot of the old buddy system that has exists. I've been on the board with this guy, with this guy, so I'm just going to ask them again. I'm comfortable with them. It works. I don't have to worry about someone I don't know. Once we can start doing things like that, that will make an incredible difference. And uh, it's going to happen. Slower than I have liked, I'll have to say. Um, something that I'm actually working on with Dean Engel and his group, with a group of advisors that we have talked about, is a little bit more practical experience, a little bit more when you're in school learning about life. 
um, having you know having CEOs of companies come in to the class setting and talk about what it's like to be a CEO and their challenges and what's it like to be on a board of directors and what is the everyday life like what's it like to manage people what's it like to read a balance sheet uh, so, some more things that I think that are real life things that everyone needs to know no matter almost what you go to do and I didn't feel that my education really prepared me for that as much as I would have liked and uh, would like to see in the future much more practical application I think it depends where you are I mean, I personally put up my own obstacle. I did not believe after I got my bachelor's degree in science that I had the intellect to become a PhD. I didn't believe it. I just, I thought, oh gosh, there's just no way I can do that. And so by working in that environment and working with PhDs and saying, hey, I can do that. It's not that bad. And kind of getting over that fear that I personally had of doing that and saying, I can do this. At the end of the two years, I was so ready for graduate school that when I got in, I was, one of the, I was the first person in my class to finish. And the reason I was is because I was so set when I started graduate school, there was really no question about what I wanted to do. But if you already see what you want to do and you're sure about it, heck, go get it done and, and go to grad school. That would be my advice. I was just a bratty teenager. That's <laughs> what so I say. They probably thought there was no hope for me. No, I didn't rob any liquor stores or do anything bad, honestly. I came home too late once and snuck out with a guy they didn't like once, you know. But uh, that sort of thing. Nothing bad. <laughs> got even with him, he died. No. Uh, <laughs> no, thank you. Um.